between the cherubim shine forth. You dwells between the cherubim shine forth. You dwells between the cherubim shine forth. Let's open to Hebrews, Hebrews chapter, Hebrews chapter 2. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Um, verse 1 says, therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them sleep. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward. How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him? Praise God. So if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and then every transgression, so the transgression here is, they call it transgression and disobedience, that they, they receive a just recompense. So the transgression here is talking about the deviation from what the word that was spoken said, right, that if the word that was spoken by angels was steadfast and every transgression and disobedience received the just recompense of the of reward. So that word which is, which they say was spoken by angels, um, was the word steadfastness there is um, I don't know, it's almost like saying it was, it was firm. Another way to use the word firm or to put it is it was unrelenting. That the word was, did not, doesn't have a space. It doesn't give room for violation. Right? Yeah, that word was steadfast and he said that every transgression and every disobedience received a just recompense of what reward. So the, there is something, the, the, what the steadfastness of the word is actually meant to bring about is the reward. Every word 
is for to produce a reward. Do you see that? Now, when you say reward, reward is in different, there are different kinds of reward. Praise Jesus. Now, there's reward for the fulfillment of the word, and there's the reward for the transgression and disobedience of the word. Do you see that? So, the steadfastness of the word was manifest, it was manifest in the word carrying on until it arrives at the reward. So it means that every time there is actually, and this is a very interesting thing that um, there's a dimension of God's word that comes. And when, that, when the word comes, and that word is every word that has a salvation gene in it. There's a kind of word that comes that can never, can never go full circle without releasing a reward. Do you understand that? In other words, whether the reward is a reward of disobedience. So when the, then when the word comes, if you obey it, it has a reward. If you disobey it, it has a reward. It means that nobody will go unrewarded when it comes to the word of God. Now, there's a way we've seen this thing of, re- of reward, as we've seen it, like it's optional. But if you do the work, we'll get the reward. No, we're seeing that, right, that Lord had proclaimed unto the ends of the earth, say ye to the daughters of Zion, that behold thy Lord, thy salvation cometh, and his reward is with him, and his work is before him. So there's a way you can see that mainly in the, in the well, like I would say the positive side, for those who do the work, but we've not spoken about, what about those who saw whose salvation came, but they didn't do the work of the salvation? Are they going to be without reward? They are not going to be without reward. There's a reward also. Are you getting me? So, then you now see the honest truth is that no soul will go unrewarded. <laughs> right? You saw Paul was writing concerning a guy who, who did some things. And Paul said, God, the Lord will, will reward him. Who was he speaking concerning there? Demas, right? Or was, was he Alexander? No. Yeah, it was Alexander. It was Alexander. Demas, he said, Demas had forsaken me, having lost this present world, having loved this present world. Amen. But in 2 Timothy, amen, then chapter, was later in chapter 4, verse 14, chapter 4, verse 14, he said, Alexander the copper smith did me much evil. Then, now if Paul is speaking about someone who did him much evil, at the, the pedigree of the person that Paul is, do you think maybe he's saying that this guy borrowed my lantern and he didn't bring it back. Or 
I gave him some money and he took it and he never returned it back. I'm trying to think about it. If you, someone or one of you came and said, ah, someone did me much evil. Like, and I ask you, what did he do? And what kind of thing will you say? You know what I mean? The kind of our things that we call evil. That, ah, he was there and he was backbiting me. I didn't know. So it means that what we call evil, um, a lot of times it has to do with things that affect our person. That's what we, we see as evil. But someone like an apostle like Paul, it wasn't like that. Um, doing Paul evil is not maybe doing something against this person because Paul was dead to his person. He said, I am crucified. That man who counts you know, offenses against himself is not somebody. You, know, you have to just think about the language of Paul. You know, saying things like, I fill up in my flesh, that what is lacking in the suffering of Christ. means that anything you forgot to do to Jesus, that I, that's what I'm called to, to, to receive. When it comes to all the, you know, the beating and the persecutions. Do you understand that? After Jesus himself even taught that those who do that to you, actually bless them. And you know what I mean? So, but this doing him much evil, I believe it didn't have to do with him personally. It had to do with what he represents as an apostle. It means that this Alexander the Copper Smith must have done evil to his message. To the, the word and the message that he must have brought in that season. And if you follow the conversation of this chapter and what Paul was saying to Timothy, you realize he was actually speaking about men who were, you know, in chapter, in the beginning, he was talking about those who made shipwreck of faith, right? Those who did what? Uh, like Emmanuel and Co. and Philetus and all the other people, right? This Alexander was in the same sort of company. Praise Jesus. So, and so those men were people who um, encountered Paul in a season, season of what the of the gospel, right? So the thing with the, the gospel, transaction with the gospel will cause a reward to come for souls. And whatever that you do with the gospel will determine what kind of reward. Are you getting what I'm saying? And, and the Bible is saying that well, that reward is not partiality. It's what you call actually a just recompense. There's something in the world that will make sure that every soul receive what a, a just word, recompense of reward. Praise Jesus. Now, it's now saying verse 2 that how shall we escape if we neglect? Say neglect. neglect. Now, when you say how shall, we escape, how shall we escape, it's talking about escaping from what? It's talking about escaping from neglect. That if someone neglects, so great is salvation. How can you escape the reward? Of means that there is a reward. There is not just a reward for doing it. There's also a reward for neglecting it. Praise Jesus. And, and that's one thing about it. It's actually a burden of existence. What, can you tell me what's the burden of existence? The burden of existence is that by virtue of your existence, you are moving, and you can't stop. 
You cannot press. For, I wish life was like uh, you know a CD player where you can pause and then go and come back and continue for me. But life is not like that. That's why there are some things you must you must really understand first about your life. Is number one, your life is not your own. Your very life doesn't belong to you. Now that does your the journey of your soul on the earth doesn't belong to you. And neither and then the environment wherein your soul transacts is actually be also beyond your control. Right? There's, there's so much that's actually out of your control. You understand? The only thing that is so I would say in your control is the path of journey which your soul takes. Deciding to journey is not, it's not, it's not of your choosing. You can, no soul can say, I'm no more journeying anywhere. Light, darkness, good, evil. I'm just tired of the whole thing. I'm confused. The revelations are too much. So I'm just going to step back and let you guys all do it. And then I'm going to stay in one place. I'm going, to, I'm going to choose to maybe be ignorant of God. You know, the Bible speaks about ignorance. And the way they, they speak about ignorance in the New Testament is not some neutral ground. That ignorance is actually an alignment with, his, with spirits. Like there are spirits who actually their ministry is to serve ignorance and to make men choose ignorance. Say, all you have to do is just ignore it. Say, hey, I can ignore it. Say, no problem. We'll just ignore it. That's the ministry of some spirits, just to teach ignorance. Are you getting me? The Bible speaks about that in Ephesians chapter 4, right? Having verse 18, having the understanding darkened. Let's go back to verse 17. It says that this, I say therefore, Ephesians verse 7, chapter 4, verse 17. Says this, I say therefore and testify in the law that you henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in what? The vanity of their mind. Now, I want to ask you a question. If you go and t- talk to a Gentile and say, Do you know that you are walking? They'll say, What do you mean? You mean that I, am, I walk or something? No, you say, no, I mean your soul, like when it comes to the spirit in the spiritual that the way we Christians are actually have a spiritual walk. you also a Gentile who refuse to be a Christian. You too also have a spiritual walk. Would they agree? They'll say, no, I'm, I'm non-religious. <laughs> you know, they carved out one, one they, they, you know, they, they, maybe they look at the, that, why are Christian and atheists fighting? We don't want to be to, in any camp. So we, we are called agnostics. We, are, we, are, we, we take ourselves out of the conversation. We're just neutral. <laughs> Say agnostics. Agnostic. agnostic means it's the same thing from ignore, right? It's, it's, to, it's like you want to act as if you're not, you're not there. I'm not present in the conversation. <laughs> Phrase, say ignorance. ignorance. So, so it's very clear that the, the spirit of ignorance is the Gentile spirit. Right? Is the, is the word? So, what is the nature of ignorance? The nature of ignorance is, it doesn't, it's the nature of a dog. Right? That we ignore, you know, the Bible was saying, Jesus was teaching, is they do not give 
holy things to dogs, do not cast pearl before swine. Because if you give a holy thing to a dog, so the dog will, they will trample upon it. That will, to, for a dog to trample upon holy things, it means that he has no use for it. He's just demonstrating to you that this thing meaneth nothing to me. Are you seeing that it's the nature of ignorance is actually a, is actually a Gentile nature? Praise Jesus. So he's saying that there is actually a walk. So the Gentile, who, who feels he's removing himself from the conversation, is actually walking somewhere. That someone is ministering a walk to him. Where he's, and where he's walking to, at the end of that walk, is going to get a reward. Because we know that every walk is a work. Nobody walks without it's not a work. Every spiritual work is a work. Praise Jesus. So it means that a soul can be walking in ignorance. And every part of ignorance also has a reward. When you say, you are, the, you are the company of them who ignored everything. They say, okay, you all have your reward too. Uh, praise Jesus. I love, this, I love this salvation talk. I love this salvation message. You know why I love salvation message? Nobody can escape. It was like the day of Noah. You know this is the message of Noah. Now, you know, when Noah started building the ark, there are those who just felt all this thing, all this ark. And, you know, there must have been a sect who, in that time, you know, if you read the story, there are those who took it upon themselves to stand maybe where he was walking and be talking to him. Noah, Noah, how many years have you? We have your calendar here. When did you start this job? How much investment have you put? You get what I'm saying? They are speaking constantly against him. Trying to, they were probably trying to weaken his heart to tear down his resolve. Why? Because his righteousness was a judgment to them. That how, since we were young, this man has been building an ark. How can, what kind of a nature is that? How can a man believe something for years and years and years? It's not living. That is a judgment to them. While they were going about having their lives and doing all kinds of things, enjoying their life, this man kept building the ark. Kept building the ark. That was a judgment. Are you getting what I'm saying? Every ark builder passes judgment on idle men. Do you understand? Every what? Every ark builder. Who's an ark builder? An ark builder is somebody who is able to, who is able to, to do the sacrifice of, of neglecting the present life and, and tediously, painstakingly, consistently, over time, build for a future that, has been, that is painted from the invisible. Do you understand what I'm saying? What was, it was, how did Noah start building? He just heard God. God just spoke to him. He, had to took, he took the word and he believed the word. And he began to translate that information which came from the spirit into action. And began to pour and sow his life. Decades and decades and decades of his life into building an ark. Do you understand me? Amen. So the, you see the word ark building is, a, is actually a, is a metaphorical, is a metaphor in the scripture. The word ark means the, the ark is the instrument of salvation. Praise God. Ark is what? It's, it's the instrument. So 
It means that every single block, or not block, it's actually wood now that he was using. So it means that every single plank, every single wood on the ark is actually word. So it's the word of salvation that builds up the ark of salvation. So that Noah's building of the ark is metaphorical. It's talking about the soul that was receiving a word. You know, word of salvation doesn't download in one day. Salvation, say, say salvation. salvation. Salvation or the school of salvation, the teaching of salvation, it has a set of a kind of property to it that you cannot graduate from that school without your soul gaining everlasting property. Right? What, is, what I mean by everlasting property is the same kind of thing that Noah gained. You don't say, but no, but it took Noah a certain number of years to build the ark. That's true. But I can bet you Noah, Noah must have stopped counting. Do you understand me? It's possible that Noah must have, God, God must have given him a dimension. You know God was the one who gave the dimension of the ark. Imagine giving a one man an ark to build. And the, I forget, I can't, off my head, I can't tell you what the dimension of the ark was. But it was something massive. When God was giving him that dimension, God knew that in the process of building it, it would tamper with your soul and move you into an everlasting posture. <laughs> Praise God. Uh, do you get that? We'll, we'll, we'll shift your soul where at some point you must be willing to, be, you must be willing to do a walk, the, the, the everlasting works of God are works which a soul must agree to do forever. It's actually the principle of, of everlasting life is the principle of, of an unending works. Works that don't have an end. So, it's not a work that you say, let's just finish it and go and do something else. There's actually nothing else to do. That's how you know that man has expired. When, if you can get a man to walk in such a way that he's not calculating for anything beyond the work, that he sees the work as everything, means that that work has taken every hope of living, of living every other life. It will, when you, the soul has keyed into that work and say, I will pour my life here, and if my life finishes, that's fine. I don't, I don't really care about any other, living out any other thing anymore. That was the nature, or the, the, the nature of what? Of Noah. So you mean that God didn't give Noah the date and the time when the flood will come? Right? He didn't give him a time, he just gave him instruction. However long it takes to build this thing, just keep going. And he kept going, praise God. Amen. So, but you see, those people, I'm sure there must have been people who made it a point of duty to mock him. They kept, you know, the Bible said that. They kept mocking him. They kept mocking him. What kind of, but don't you have a life? Don't you have something else to do? This invisible thing you are, you are hearing, what is the meaning of this? But I'm sure there must have also been people who didn't follow that approach. They said, okay, both the mockers who don't believe, no, no, Let me, we are just in our own life. We don't just, we are not just interested. Whether God said, God didn't say. So those are <laughs> the ignorant folks. Are uh, you getting me now? The, praise God. So verse 38, for us in the days of the flood, this is Matthew 
24. This was Jesus' teaching. Remember, this Matthew 24 was when Jesus was asked, asking, answering the question about, he asked him, Jesus, when shall these things be and when will be the sign of his, of his coming? He began to teach and teach. And then he's teaching about those days, right? When, of who is, what is the day of his coming? It's actually the day of salvation. Like he said, unto, say unto Zion, the salvation comet. Do you understand? So, that is verse 38. It says, for us in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying, and then what? Giving in marriage. Until the day that what? Noah did what? Entered into the ark. So, you see this life of eating, drinking, Marrying, giving in marriage, that's the life of ignorance. There are people who ignore. They just went on. We have things to do, man. Let's just eat and drink and give in marriage and all of that. While Noah was building what? They act. It said until. Say until. So it means there is actually a day. Until the day that what? Noah did what? Entered into the ark. Praise Jesus. And knew not, to those people, they knew not until the flood came and then took them. What? How many did they take away? All. all. They say, so also shall what? The coming of the Son of Man be. Praise Jesus. So this, that, that time of salvation, praise Jesus, is, it will be a time when it will be characterized also by Ignorance. Let's go back to that Ephesians chapter 4 very quickly. We saw the Ephesians 4. Thank you, Jesus. And so this I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that ye henceforth walk not as other what Gentiles walk in the vanity of their minds. So you see that eating, drinking, marrying, giving in marriage, those are the things that Gentiles do. That's what, those are actually the things that Jesus summarized in Matthew chapter 6. That's all these things do the word Gentiles seek. Praise God. So those things, and you know that what was warring with those people in the time of Noah was the Gentile nature. God saw it. God saw that it was a Gentile kind of nature that God said, no, I'm not going to allow this thing on the earth. I'm going to break it. I'm going to kill all of them. But after he killed them, Noah entered. After a while, Noah's generation started. The same seed, because the same seed was in them, even though it hasn't found expression. But after some time, the same seed reared up his head again, and he brought them to Genesis chapter 11 at the what? The Tower of Babel. The same Gentile nature that came. So it was at that time that God then scattered them that was when there was the formation of the nations of the Gentiles. Right? When he scattered all men according to, to different tribes and different tongues. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? So, it, so God was just saying, okay, let me just, I will, leave, I will give you time on the earth. It's not to marry, to be given in marriage, to eat and to drink, no problem. But all I will do is I will, I will design you in such a way that um, you, will not, you will not excel too much. Right, in terms of, in other words, God was saying, I want to slow down, I want to slow down your progress towards the reward for this part that you have taken. 
That was the reason why. Because God said that nothing can be kept from these people, praise God, if in what they have decided to do. So God scattered them around the earth, praise Jesus, to slow their path down. But it's the same nature of the Gentiles. So he says, do not walk as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. Verse 18 of Ephesians chapter 4. says, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the word, the life of God through the word, ignorance that is in them. So you see that, and then because of the blindness of their heart. So you see then that ignorance is not passive, that ignorance can actually bring about alienation. Now, how does alienation occur? If somebody who wasn't an alien before becomes an alien, how did he become an alien? He walked away. Alien means he's from another place. He's not not a neighbor. He's not not a neighbor. He's not a a fellow. Neither is he a neighbor. It means that he's alien means it's a measure of how far he has gone. So that walk which they spoke about in verse 17, when he says walk not as other Gentiles walk, is the walk that produces alienation. Right? It's the, it's the walk of the Gentile that takes them away. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's very clear. What I'm just explaining to you is that if you say that I, I, don't, want to be, I don't want to know anything about all these things. I just want to eat and drink and be married and they're giving in marriage, what that will produce is a walk. Where you're saying that that thing you are calling eating and drinking and just living normal life, you know what we call normal life, is a walk. Do you understand that? You see, that normal life, which is normal life that is free from the encumbrances of sitting down, listening, and knowing God. Amen. Amen. Now, let me, not, let me now shock you. Do you know that someone can be going to church every day and be, still be ignorant? Yeah. This thing about ignorance is saying, are you seeing the language here? In them. Understanding darkened. It is from the life of God. True ignorance as in them. Blindness of their heart. Is there anything here that going to church can, can stop? Or is there anything here that cannot happen because you are going to church? So, this, this ignorant, those who, Ephesians, of course, he was writing to a church, the Ephesian church. He was telling them, do not walk as Gentiles. It means that as you are sitting down here, they are reading this, my letter to you. Those of you who are sitting down here, who come every single meeting, some of you are walking as Gentiles walk. Some of you are experiencing alienation from the life of God. Because if you sit in the church and your understanding is darkened, you are here. If you sit in the church and there is ignorance in you, you are here. If you sit in the church and there is blindness in your heart, you are here. So you can be in the church and be walking the walk of the Gentile. No, that Gentile thing is, an, is a soul configuration. It's not, it's not, but we are all Gentiles, but in the natural, right? We are not Jews. So this Gentile thing is not the physical gentility. It's talking about the Gentile nature of the soul, which is the doggish nature. 
do you get? He said, ah, man, are you, are this pastor, is he, are you just trying to insult us today? Why are you comparing us? I'm not saying, I'm not, I'm not insulting, I'm just trying to tell you that I, I'm trying to explain in nature to you. <laughs> because, <laughs> this Bible is full of all kinds of natures. And the natures, they are inside us. That's why they wrote the Bible to us, to, to cast them out and to remove <coughs> all the natures. <coughs> Thank you, Jesus. And all the attitudes that are in us. Praise God. So what's, the, what's, this, what's this dog nature? It's simple. The true revelation to you, you carry it and put it under your feet and continue what you are doing. You, are you not seeing how it's not very hard to be a Gentile? It's not very, very, it's not that far from you. That's my point. It's not really that far from you to, to have a Gentile attitude. And I will now tell you that all of us have it to a degree that they are, they are trying to heal it in us. Right? Once they cast, when you say, pale, the first one, and then holy things, when they give holy, what are the holy things which are given to dogs? Those holy things are the revelations, the thoughts of the kingdom. Insight. When, when a thought is landing from God, and understanding is landing from God, you see, the Gentiles, you know, and the way we are, some of us, we are not fully one animal. Our, our soul is not fully one animal. There is a side that is doggish. Then... They will now see another aspect that's goatish in, another, in a way. <laughs> Do you understand? This is just the soul. These are souls. <laughs> All the animals you see on the world, in the earth, I mean, maybe the ones you go to see in the zoo. I you know maybe there are some that you don't, it's not all you see in the zoo. There are some that you have to watch documentary to see. All the animals you see that God made is just to tell, is to teach you what your soul can be. They are properties. <laughs> Do you understand? Formation is just something. When you, see, when you see a dog behaving, a lion behaving, those are, when you see a lion, his attitude is, is from his soul. He's a soul of a lion as a type. It's a lower soul that gives, it has, it has expression. It doesn't really have spiritual significance, but it carries an expression. What that lion is expressing, the soul of a man can express it. That's why they use all the animals metaphorically in the Bible. Throughout, you just see different ones are showing up. Do you understand what I'm saying? Praise God. Glory to God. So, so this thing called ignorance, this is the point I want to make from here, that that thing is also something that has a reward. Let's go back to Ephesians. Sorry. Hebrews chapter 2. Glory to God. Father, we thank you. Um, Hebrews 2 from verse 1. So it says that therefore we, therefore we ought to give the what? The more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them sleep. That word, let them. You know, they, I, I love the word they use, sleep. You know, it means that they are slippery. That one is sure. 
if it can sleep, it's slippery. But you know one thing with slippery things? When a slippery thing falls, they ask you, where is it? Ah, he said, it slipped. Oh. It means I didn't throw it away. They say, well, how did it slip? Say, is it not, are you not the one that made it slippery? If you want me to hold it, why didn't you make it <laughs> plain? I'm just trying to hack into soul conversation. So I don't know you are, you are having this conversation, but it is. It's having, it's a, uh, why didn't that thought, that revelation, that insight that came, why, are you not, why am I not finding you holding it? You say, don't, can't you see how slippery it is? It's not easy to keep such a thought. They are so, it's so easy to forget once you step out of the meeting or close the earphones or something. Are you seeing that? So there's something about God that made his thought, God made his thought slippery. And it's a design of the spirit. Amen. Let's, we can extract the, the, the nature of God's things. If you don't understand the nature of God's things, you will, you will feel like God is fighting you. <laughs> um, you will feel like, have you ever felt before, God, if you really, 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 really want me to have you, then why do you make yourself so difficult to have? Have you ever had such a righteous thought before? <laughs> okay, that if it's true that all these things, all this revelation, everything, if it's true that this is really, and that's, if this is really, really what you want, why is it not, why does it have to be so complex? Why does it have to be so, are you getting, because we are thinking that way because of, um, of, it's because of the, there's a conversation which mankind bought into. It's a conversation. It's a, in fact, if I want to summarize what you call the fall of man, it is this conversation. You know, there's a, there are a lot of things that came from the fall of man. Many things came from what? From the fall of man. But what is the actual fall to me? What I believe was the actual fall, was the acceptance of a bargain. That one, the fall to me, happened before the eating of the fruit. It's, to me, it's because of the fall that the fruit was eaten. Man in the place where God put him would not eat that fruit. He had to fall to eat it. Do you know what the fall is? The fall of man to me, in summary, is the rejection of the discipline and the, the design of the path towards accessing the provisions of God. That was the fall. You can tell, and, and you see it very clearly. Um, you know, in Genesis, they just said the tree of life and the midst of the garden. They just showed you where it was. They didn't tell you too much about what the tree looks like. But it was later in the, at the last book of Revelation, chapter 22, they now began to describe, that, you see that tree, that tree called the tree of life? How is the tree? So when they describe the tree, you now realize, ah, 
This is why Adam had problem with that tree, and he went for a lesser tree. Because that tree, number one, it has 12 manna of fruit. That's already a problem. And then, apart from that, the fruit doesn't bring its fruit. It's said in the midst of the street of it and on either side of the tree. That's Revelation 22, verse 2. In the midst of the street of it and on either side of the river was there the what? The tree of life, which bear 12 manna. Have you seen such a tree before? You can never see such a tree on, the, on this earth anymore. Even if, if there was ever such a tree on the earth, I can bet you such a tree would probably die the day man fell. The, the tree would just, either maybe it would just wither or it would go back. Something will happen. Because man, you are not worthy of such a tree anymore. Man rejected such a tree. Do you know one, one thing with the 12 manner of fruit is that it's not this, the taste you used to eat one fruit. Can you eat, after just eating mango right away, just eat a strawberry and then you eat a, a, a raspberry and then you eat a... What? There's something about fruits, right? Fruits are... Um, the sound of our fruit. Fruit, there's, there's peculiarity about if you, if you t- test the pH value of fruit, it's not at the center. Right? There's, is, it, is it acidic? A lot of fruits, they have, in fact, the ripeness of the fruit, uh-huh, uh-huh, there are different levels of acidicity and all of those things. There's something about a fruit that's meant to react with your taste. Fruit is, is um, it's not easy to eat a fruit. When you taste a fruit, a fruit is supposed to bring you into some sort of, um, um, it's supposed to tamper with your, 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 your present disposition. Fruit should be able to transport you, change you, some in a certain way. So nobody eats different manner of fruit back to back. So it's very, and the way the fruit grows on the tree, it explains it to you that it doesn't just come like that. He said that 12 manner of fruit and yielded our fruit every month. So it means that for each month is one manner. The next month, another manner of fruit. The next month, another one. 12 months for 12 manner of fruit. Now, so imagine it, imagine it, and when they are saying month here, I don't know how this month in Revelation chapter 22 would translate to, because this tree, imagine they're speaking about month when there is no more sun. What is the measure of the month? Have you thought about the way they planted this tree? Show me a pure river of water of life as clear as the crystal. In the chapter before, they've already explained to us that there is no night there. There is no need for the sun, for the moon. All the things we used to calibrate days and months are gone away. They've removed them. So, and they now mention the word month. So, what is the definition of this month? Do you know? We, the scripture will tell us. Only through the Bible. 
The only way to know is through the scriptures. Because you can never go to nature to know what this month is. But let's say this month, we know it means something. Now, if you now translate what this month means and bring it into Eden time, when you have the natural sun, it can't be just one month of Eden. So you don't know how long Adam was staring at the program in the eating of the tree of life. Do you understand? It, it should be very clear to you that that tree was a stature of salvation. And based on what we know from Noah, nature of salvation, there's something about longevity, it's meant to expire you. Forget about that thing of let's just go there, let's get it, let's just pick it up along the side. You can't pick up salvation by the side. <laughs> Nobody will ever be saved who didn't make salvation their profession. Yes. <laughs> Nobody will be saved by doing salvation part time. There's something about salvation. Say salvation. So that tree of life, you mean that there was something about the tree and the place where God put man, I mean the, the framing of the soul of man initially, what God had framed him in such a way that he would see that tree as his task. You should have seen that tree as a, as a task for his existence on the earth. He should have been ready see, and said, he should have made up his mind fully, God, however long it will take to finish the program of this tree, we, will, we, are, we are going to accept it. But what happened? Somebody came. Satan came. And then he did, brought his own things, planted his own tree. So it's very clear that the, the, what really the temptation was that he planted a tree. Do you understand? Now, who, Satan tempted Eve. Satan did not tempt Adam. It was tree. That tempted harder. There was no record of the serpent ever speaking to Adam. He didn't need to speak to him. Adam was seen tree of life. He sees the program. That was a, a terrible being, Adam, that God made. He, he could understand. Once he just sees the tree, he knows what this tree is for. He can, he can see the program. He can, he can see all the deaths. All the evolution, all the transformation, all the change that will be that's inside the tree. He must have been looking at the tree. Then he now saw another one beside it or close to it. I don't know where exactly where he planted it, but he now saw the other one. And, and based on the eyes of Adam, I knew that he had equipment to see the other tree. So I, I believe that by the time that Satan spoke to Eve, then she, when she finally brought the, the, the fruit to him, by that time, he had already fallen. Yeah. Wow. Only a fallen Adam will take that fruit from Eve yeah. and eat it. Yeah. That was the fall. So you can see, the fall of man is, was man negotiating himself down yeah. from the, the, the sort of the complexity the way, the manner of the provision of God's salvation. And you now see that a lot of times when you gather Christians together and you want to teach them salvation, fall will start talking. <laughs> the same thing. Because anytime salvation message opens, 
they see, the soul will see three. <laughs> three, you see three, and time. Time. Some of us in our heart, you have peeped, you have seen the months of the tree. What do I mean by that? Your heart has seen the you've seen the path that the, you, you've discerned the patience of the path. The timing of the tree. Hey, Kamali Inklambusatigalima Ora Hata. You know what I mean? When <laughs> when when you you expected that there's just one nature, I just wanted God to quickly take away. And then when he brought the nature, you now began to see that you see how they actually deal with such things is that you will hear a revelation. Then tomorrow they add like five to it. The next tomorrow they, it will become plenty, like twenty. And then you will get somehow lost inside them till you lose count of them. <laughs> and then the, 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 the way the revelation makes war against the properties that they want to save you from, you don't know how, but you must trust in the word and stay with the word and believe in the word. It's another thing entirely. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. So, one thing that man must do is you're, you're, you have to make up your mind that I'm not going to I'm not going to stay in the falling disposition. Right? I'm not going to stay. Or that, when I say disposition, I mean it's a kind of mind. Right? It's a mind of the, the mind of the fallen man that, that would refuse to go through the, the, the prescription of ascension. You know, ascending is not that easy. There's a process of ascension. Like Philippians chapter 4, let his mind be in you which was in Christ Jesus. You see, what Jesus Christ brought was another mind. An, they, they sent an, another Adam right, the word, to, bring, to bring the mind which the first Adam lost. But even to bring a higher mind than what the first Adam lost. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. When Jesus came, Philippians 4, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, right? Who counted it not robbery to be what? Who, who being in the form of God, that's verse 6, thought it not robbery to be what? Equal with God. Verse 7 says, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of his servant and was made in it like a now. What kind of a man can do this? What kind of a, a, a mind can do this kind of thought? 
to take upon him the, the form of what? A servant. And then it was made in the what? In the likeness. That word likeness is also a type of the word of image. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. <coughs> Amen. Is a type of what? Is a is a type of is a type of image. Amen. Amen. Then let's see verse eight. Glory to God. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and then became obedient unto what death, even what the death of the of the cross. Then verse nine. And then wherefore God also had highly exalted him and then given him a name which is above what? Every name. And verse 10, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and then things under what? Under the earth. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Now, this same mind, is that let this same mind be in you. It's, a, it's actually it's a quality of a mind which he had. Now, there are two things here the, that his mind produced. Number one, the mind resulted in him changing form. Form is one thing. Right? Form is not the same thing as likeness. Or, praise God, or image. Form is different from image and likeness. Right? There's, this is scriptural language, what they call form. Something called form of God. Nobody, none of, nobody can ever be in the form of God. But you can be in the image of what? Of God. And the likeness of God. Now, <coughs> glory to God. Now, Jesus... <coughs> That second person of the Trinity initially was in the form of God, but he descended from the form. But <clears throat> you cannot ascend back. He didn't ascend back into form. <clears throat> he Whenever you see the form of him, like that's what Jesus embodied, you will see the form of a man. So, Jesus, that second person who is also the Word of God, will not, you won't see Logos anymore as the form of God. If you go to heaven and say, Please, can you show me Logos? I'm looking for Logos. They will show you a man. There was a time it was not so. There was, there was a time that they would tell you there's something called Logos. He has a form. It's actually a form of God. Do you understand? Like, uh -huh. There's a form of the God, the forms. There was the Father was a form of God. There's the Logos was a form of God. Even the, the Spirit also is also a form of God. The way you have the Spirit who has, he has a form. It's not a physical form. It's a spiritual form. Right? Like, you have the spirit can, can become anointing. It can rest on things. 
it's a particular form. The father cannot do that. You can't say the, the father is resting on this anki. <laughs> but you can say that there's a, the Holy Ghost is on this cloth, like the Holy Ghost was on, the, was on, the, on Paul's apron. They came to take, tear out of the apron. And so when you tear the apron, you're carrying ghosts on, on you. A portion of the spirit is actually a form of God who is designed in that way, who can do that kind of property. It's the spirit. But the father, can, you can't put the father here. Is actually a kind of form that cannot reside on something like this. Same thing, that's how the Logos was before. When they say in the beginning was the Logos, it was, there's a way he, he was. He was. He actually had a form. We don't really know too much about how the form or how the form of the Logos manifests. But we know the Logos is invisible. But he has an invisible form. But somehow that invisible form of the Logos, according to John chapter 1, was made flesh and then and you dwelt among us. Praise God. So, but when he came into that form now, that Logos, right, that's why he will, the, the reason why they can accommodate man in God is by taking one of the forms of God and bringing it, changing it, and re- it's a reduction, I won't lie to you. You have to bring it down to take the, 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 the fashion, are you getting what I'm saying? But, and then being found in fashion as a man. Do you see that fashion of a man? Let's go back, please. Verse, verse 7, I'm so sorry, I'm spending some time here. It says, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him in the form of his servant and then was made in the world in the likeness of man. Then verse 8, and being found in fashion as a man, he did what? Humbled himself. Do you see that? <clears throat> Amen. So if they remove the logos from the fashion of a man, you, then you have no entry point into God. Do you see that is to is to bring an entry point, right? That they will say that, and they now say that the way any man must arrive at God is through the doorway of the logos, right? That it is through the logos of being made flesh. That's how man. So you can see that the the process of making the logos flesh is the process of salvation. I don't know if that makes, does that make any sense to you? It's, it's, when you say, ah, he's a saved man. You say that he is a man in whom the Logos has been made flesh. Because salvation is talking about the divine nature or the nature of God. Uh-huh. Does that make sense? I've written unto you, young men, because you are strong. The logos of God abides in you. And you have what? Overcome the wicked one. The logos of God abides in you. Are you seeing that? So the the abiding of the logos within the the soul, the the man, amen. amen. So now... When they say, let this mind be in you, is 
is it is the is the giving you have to buy into a certain mind that that allows the formation of what of the logos in in, in man is a kind of is a it's not an easy thing it's not an easy process do you understand it's not an, an easy word aha uh-huh. it's not an easy process there's a way the Bible is, is written that you, you, will, uh, you, will not, you might not understand it. When you read that Philippians chapter 4, it might seem to you like what they are saying is that when he descended, maybe it was the day that they, they dropped inside Mary's womb, that Lugos just changed and then just inside the womb of Mary. Then when she became pregnant, Lugos is now here. When they, hey, where is Lugos? They ask God, where did Lugos go now? We've seen Logos in heaven. Logos has always been here. Nah, Logos is now inside the womb of Mary. He's inside. That's, we've sent him to the earth. That's the kind of sense that when you say, the, and then the world was made flesh. We think that that's what was happening, that Logos entered Mary's stomach. Logos did not enter Mary's stomach. When that being that was in Mary's stomach, Logos was not involved <laughs> at that time. <laughs> For him, for the Logos to be found in fashion as a man, it took 30-something years. Do you understand that? It took 30 what? It took 30-something. So you can now see that the, this mind that was in Christ Jesus, right, is... He's talking about the, is, the, is the mind of the Logos, but also that's not where you, you see, is it, it's not, that's not where you, you, it's the same mind of the thinking of the Logos that did now began to be downloaded in Christ Jesus. It's like, a, it's like Logos lit a match, he, he sparked a fire that cannot burn through until the man who will embody the program comes. So the, the, the best Logos could do as Logos is to initiate the decision to change form. After Logos decided to change form, Logos must depend on a man that will accept what? That will accept that will accept the refashioning of himself. That was the... Do you understand what I'm saying? Decision to come, to be made flesh, is the first part. But the second part, there must be found a man who will cooperate to be made for the Logos, that truth in him, that that Logos should be made flesh in him. Do you understand that? Then you see that, that so that's the other side of the mind. So the, and <coughs> that is the main part of the mind. When you say the mind that should be in you, it's not the mind. Nobody is asking you to decide. You are not logos to decide to come down. That's not the part of the mind. The part of the mind that is in you is in the part that should agree for the word, for that logos to be made flesh in you. Or part of you to agree 
to salvation. Are you, are you getting my sense? Praise Jesus. So now, you now see, it's very clear that the man, a soul, a man who is candidate to receive salvation must be a hearer. Because what is becoming is a word. Do you, do you understand that? That was what John was teaching in 1 John chapter 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have, which we have seen, which we have looked upon, which our hand have handled of the logos of life. <coughs> you see that. So, that which he's talking about here is what he calls the, of the logos of life. That logos of life is also the logos of salvation. All right, so if you want to ask me what is the logos, the logos is the ark. Does that make sense? Yes, sir. It's the ark. So what Noah was doing was synonymous for the, with the logos becoming flesh. Does that make some sense to you? You're synonymous. So you can see then that Noah was, actually, <coughs> was also a type of Jesus. Right. He's a, he was a type of Jesus. Right. He's, and he's a type of Jesus. He's a type of you and I. Because Jesus is also an, an example which you are. That's why they say, let the mind be in you. So the mind that ought to be in you is the mind of the builder of the ark of salvation. Ark builders. That's what God is looking for. He's looking for souls who are, who are willing to take up the challenge. A ch- challenge which the world doesn't even know about, that every man is running away from. God is saying, I'm looking for souls who will take up the challenge, praise God, of building what? Building an ark for me. So you know, I say, how do you, how do you build the ark? It is, you must, you must, you build the ark by, by certain kind of, um, of download, right, of things, praise God. Uh, what kind of things? They are materials, materials that will constitute the building of salvation within the soul, of a person. So when they say in Hebrews 2, we must give the more energy to the things which we have heard. All right now, let's go back to there very quickly. I'm so sorry. It's like the Lord is trying to use different lights to interpret the scripture. So Hebrews 2, verse 1 Therefore, we ought to give the more energy to the things which we have what? heard, lest at what? Any time we should do what? Let them sleep. Verse 2. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward, verse 
3, that how shall we escape if we neglect so great what? Salvation, which at first began to be spoken by the Lord and then was confirmed unto us. By who? By them that heard him. Praise God. By them that did what? Mm, that heard him. Praise God. Verse 4 now. See, God also bearing them witnesses, both with signs and wonders, and with diverse miracles, and gifts of the Holy Ghost, according to his own will. Verse 5. For unto the angels had he not put in subjection the what? The world to come, whereof we do what? <coughs> we speak. <coughs> but one in a certain place testified, saying that what is man that thou art mindful of him, or the son of man that thou visitest him. Then verse 7, that thou madest him a little lower than the angels, and thou crownest him with glory and honor, and did set him over the walk of thy hands, and has put all things in subjection under his feet, for in that he put all in subjection under him, he left nothing that is not put under him. But now we see who? We see not yet all things put under him. Verse 9, but we see Jesus, who was made, what? A little lower than the angels for <coughs> the suffering of death, <coughs> crowned with what? Glory and honor, that he by the grace of God should do what? Taste death for every man. Praise Jesus. Yeah. Amen. So, from, from speaking about this, um, this great salvation, right? Now, I'm telling you that you must give the more earnest heed to it. He's now coming down to sort of explain the... Um, explain sort of the... The, the mechanism, right, of the download of salvation, right? And he's drawing similarity, first of all, drawing similarity with Jesus. Jesus' part. That's why he's telling you that what is man that thou art mindful of him, right? And the son of man that thou <coughs> visit him. This is a, you know, this is a valid question. That... You should ask, you too should ask this question. And somewhere in your heart, you might be asking the question already. Right? If you are somehow, the concept of salvation, it seems heavy to you. It's because you have this question in your heart. That what is man that thou art mindful of him? The son of man that thou visitest him. Means that it's actually a question that needs to be answered. You can't just ignore the question because you say, why is it okay? Why is it the, the creator of the universe? Why is he having this expectation of salvation of man? It's difficult to. This question, until his soul asks this question and this question is answered, is hard to settle into the journey of salvation.
it will be difficult. You need to ask yourself, what is man that thou art mindful of him? What am I that you are mindful? To connect the mindfulness of God to your person. Say, mindful of me. And then, the son of man that thou visitest him. This word visitation of man is the visitation of the words of God to the soul. Or the visitation of the logos to the soul. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God. <clears throat> now, without the answer to this question, it will be difficult for you to give the more earnest heed to the things which you are what, which you have heard, or the things which you are hearing, right? Because you is not you to give the most earnest heed, you must have put yourself inside the equation. And to put yourself inside the equation, you must have found an answer to this word question. You must have identified your soul with the interest of God. Yes. Praise Jesus. So it said here that, uh, what is man? But one said in a certain place, what is man that thou art mindful of him? Or the son of man that thou visitest him? Praise God. Then verse 7, that thou has made him a little lower than the angels, and thou crownest him with glory and honor, and did set him over the works of thy hands. Then verse 8, thou put all things in subjection under his feet, for in that he put all in subjection under him, he left nothing that is not put under him. But now, he put, he put, praise God, He left nothing that is not put under him, but now we, we, not yet, we see not yet all things put under him. So we are not, we are not able to see the, the reality that what or the position that God has put man yet. Now, the place where God has put man is a place where all things are, first of all, is crowned, crowned with glory, is crowned with honor, and God has put all things under his feet. But the man who God has done that to, the man doesn't yet see it. Say see. see. You don't yet see. This word, seeing all things put under him, is actually man being able to see himself in the mind of God. While <clears throat> that reality has not yet appeared, it is the kind of sight of salvation. It's an equipment that enables the soul, that will enable the soul to give the more earnest heed to the things that are spoken. Do you understand that? It's to be able to see all things come now what is, the, what is the image of the man whom all things are put under him? It's very clear that the man who is able to see himself in that way will not, such a person will not serve things, will not pursue things, will not go after things. Right? Such a person will be above things. A soul that sees himself like this, 
such a soul, there is nothing that the world will bargain with you or it will bring as a bargain to the soul that will make the soul leave the program of salvation. So, what makes a soul not able to carry the task of salvation is that the soul does not yet see all things put under man. So, and what that means is that the soul, in the soul, doesn't have the answer to the question, what is man that thou art mindful of him? The son of man that thou visitest him. In other words, that soul is not easy for the soul to reconcile himself in that relationship with God. Do you understand? There's a way that that, that thing ought to rise as a reality. Where you stand and you are you zero in on your profession and your pursuit. Where are you pursuing? You are pursuing the invisible God. That's the or salvation. The salvation is the pursuit of the invisible God. Are you getting what I'm saying? Which is to position yourself and take on that mind of Christ, of Christ Jesus, praise the Lord, which ought to be in you. To settle in that kind of mind, right, it is a certain kind of inward, ah, it is, it is this kind of the, an answer to what is man? You know, that is a, is a serious question. The question of what is man is a, is a powerful question. If you can answer that question correctly, then that's what breaks and sheds and destroys all the argument against the vocation of pursuing salvation. Because everything outside of salvation is that man pursues is doing that under an ignorance of the purpose of man in the mind of God. Now, it means that a soul that, for example, leaves salvation, doesn't give heed to salvation, but rather goes for other things that are lesser, things which are, should, are under his feet. You understand that when in the mind of God, there are things under the, the feet of man. And then, but a man can then go and, go and, go and look for what? Those what? Things that are what? Under his feet and begin to live for them. Do you see that? It's because he, we see not yet. Don't blame such a man too much. Because it's not that easy to, for a man to answer what is man. It's not like you were there from the beginning. You were not there. You didn't see Adam change. You didn't see Adam fall. You didn't see. You woke up into a fall. You woke up into, when I say woke up, I don't mean the day you were born. I mean the day your consciousness came. And you realize, oh, why am I, why am I, how, oh, really, I'm actually someone from this state and this country and this village. And I have my period. When your awareness came, a lot of things have already happened to you. You just woke up into a world. Then now you now began to read in the Bible. This is how you got here. One man, you know, tempted him and all that. That's, that's how you got here. Are you getting what I'm saying? Then I ask you, what is man? <laughs> so it's not easy for man by himself to search out that question. What is this question here? What is man? Is a question of position. That's that's the problem of man. That's we don't understand. 
You understand the things that are under him are the things we live for. Are the things that we want to die for. They are the things we send up when our energy for. We've changed everything. And an evil person did that. You saw that you see that order first of Genesis. That was what God was when He first created him. He was talking about his dominion. Have dominion over this, 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 over this. He made sure that that thing should be clear. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? From the beginning. It means that God, one of his, the main thought in his heart. I you understand? So, Adam, when God made Adam, I don't know if I'm speaking to you in any way. Is this, okay, praise God. I'm not just preaching to myself because if I was preaching to myself, I would still be preaching because I'm getting blessed. <laughs> but I'm glad that you're joining me in this message. Praise God. So you see that when, when God started from, God did not start the, the picture of Genesis with man under things. Do you see that? Now, but the, the task for man was to come and gain his life. Come and receive me, salvation, by planting himself as a tree in the garden. He gave that as a vocation for man. To come into. But when he, where he started man from, in fact, not, God did not even wait till he formed him. Right from when he made his spirit, he began to speak to his spirit. Tell you, there's something about you. There are things you must never be below. That's Genesis chapter 1. Those things he was telling. And God blessed him and said unto him, be fruitful and all of that. Multiply, replenish the earth, the subdue it, and have dominion. Over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, and ever. You get what I'm saying? Now, you see those animals they mentioned, and then the fish, and even plants, those things are all higher than skyscrapers and cars. How do I know? Man did not make them. But man fell below those things, and he has even fallen below the works of his hands. Are you you seeing the extent of... If it was that, all that seducing man is just nature. Man is just fascinated by nature. Oh my God, the trees. Look at what God made. And then man stares at it every day and is refusing to be saved. That's a smaller problem. But man became an inventor. You saw when sin began to drive him. Are you get what I'm saying? And to lead him away. He, beyond even what God made, he began to create even lower things. There is nothing that man has created or will ever create that, is, that will be higher than anything God created. There is no flying plane that we will ever make that will ever be better than a bird flying. In fact, we copy from what God made. Probably by, I perceive maybe the thought of how an airplane came was maybe someone was just playing in the bush and he just saw a bird fly. Hmm. Is it possible to make something like this? The way that bat is just, that's probably where the inspiration came. A lot of things came. Inspiration. It's very clear that check how technology evolved. Cars came. Man started using animals first. When men were riding on horses and donkeys, man was higher. Than when man is driving on the car. 
the death the soul will experience from driving a Lamborghini. It will not experience that amount of death from driving a horse. You know, <laughs> do you know what I mean? The things that a Lamborghini will say to you, a horse will never say that. A Lamborghini, you know, you know, even even horse talks, and not talk. A horse has a sound it makes, but you you might feel a car is silent, but it's not. It has is, amen. You know, a horse doesn't speak actual English. When that's what a car speak grammar. Car can speak your native language. While you are driving the car, boy, you said to. Hey. Who just, who just said that? You, who just spoke to you? The pumping of the a, a horse. No matter how how nice your horse is, it can never talk to you because at the end of the day, it's still a horse you are driving. When men, you know, before men started building houses, men used to live inside nature. Either caves or something, or trees, something as a way they find a way to, to live with nature. That was a higher life than living in a skyscraper in downtown Manhattan. <laughs> the death you experience in, in, in what? Down, downtown Manhattan, you could not experience that kind of death when you were living in a cave. When, if you were, when men were living in a cave, there was some kind of presence around. There was, there was see God. There's nothing you can do about it. God will always be closer in nature than he will be in your city center. Have you ever wondered why before? And people like, when it's as if God is here, once you go into the woods or something, just something about it. But, when, but go to where men have designed. Clean, nice design. Welcome to civilization. Billboard, talking to you and everything. But it's somewhere you're, it's, it's, the, the lights are bright and shiny, but it's angering your soul. There's something about all these things that is, is why vanity. Say vanity. 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 Why? Because it's, it's, there's something about it. It is, it. It's talking about the fall of the soul below the works of the hands of man. Praise God. So Genesis showed the picture of the, the position from where man should begin the task of, sal- of what? Eternal salvation is through what? A position where all things are under him. So that's what this Hebrews chapter 2 is now bringing us back to and telling you. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. So he says that, verse 8, but now we see not yet all things put under him. That was, so we don't, we don't yet see it. Right? So who is it? Who is he saying here that doesn't see it? This is the fallen man. Praise God. This is who? This is the fallen man that we see not yet, but there is something that we see. There is a way that they designed for us to see it. So, 
they now had to fashion a man. The, 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 there is, now, thank you. What is man that thou art mindful of him? The son of man that thou visitest him. For thou hast made him a little lower than angels. And thou hast crowned him with what? Glory. And then this set him over the works of your hand. Now you see that glory and honor is the glory and honor is a kind of glory and an honor that should rest upon man. This glory is not the it's not the final glory. It's what you call the glory of a man. It's not the glory of God. But it's a kind of glory. Thou have crowned him with glory and honor. He's talking about the glory. It's a, there's, there's a man with glory. That's like Adam. It's very clear. Adam in Genesis was, an, was man with glory. Then when man fell, for all have seen and come short of what? Of the glory of God. All have seen and fall short. That glory of God is not even just mean glory where man fell below. It's not just, it's the glory that God gave him. That's, that's, man actually fell, seen, made man to fall short below the glory that God put on man. Praise God. So, because of that, you can never, be, no matter how nicely you dress, a man who is subservient to things can never be glorious. It's not possible. If you are things controlled, things ruled, things move you and control you, you serve things. After these things do the Gentiles seek, you seek those things which the Gentiles seek. You can never be glorious. It's not, it's not just compatible for you to have glory and be lower than things. Do you see that? Amen. So, but... This man, but we see not yet all things put on that, on that man. We can't see it. We are falling short of it. But there's someone who we see. We see it's a, it's a man, but something was done in him. First, for 30 years, we didn't know much of what was happening to him. But after a while, after a while, we then beheld his glory. As of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Are you getting me? Logos of mid flesh dwelt among us. Dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of what? Grace. What does it mean of we beheld his glory? But we see Jesus. Who was made a what? A little lower than who? than the angels. Let's see that. But now we see Jesus, not, but, we, but we see Jesus, verse 9. Amen. Please don't get weary and tired of this message. It says, but we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels. For what? The, for the suffering of death. Then he was crowned with glory and honor. So you're seeing then that this glory and honor here is not the eternal glory. (laughs) 
Because Jesus did not receive his eternal glory until after he has tasted death for every man. But before he did that, he takes a glorious man to do what Jesus did. Another word for that is it takes a man who has been made lower than the angels and crowned with glory and honor. So this glory and honor is not the eternal glory of God. They are just trying to tell you the glory and honor that Jesus had, which you also have also, which you are supposed to discern, but you can't see. But you must see it in him. We see Jesus. Are you getting what I'm saying? We beheld his glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of what? Grace and truth. So it says here that, that he, by the grace of God, should do what? Taste death for what? Every man. Crowned with glory and honor. Amen. And that he, by what? The grace of God, should do what? Taste death for every man. Amen. Amen. Verse 10, for it became him for whom are all things, and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons to, unto glory, to make the what? Captain of their what? Salvation. Perfect through what? Through suffering. To make the captain of their salvation do what? Perfect through suffering. Praise God. Hallelujah. Now, this captain of their salvation, who is Jesus, the what makes him a captain? Now, if you ask me, who is a captain? If you want to just interpret it, the captain is the one who is an example. Captain is a class captain is the person who show everybody what they should be doing. Be the example to everyone. Right. So Jesus as the captain of our salvation is him who we ought to see. But we see Jesus who was made a little lower than angels for the suffering of death and then was crowned with, with glory and honor that he by the grace of God should. Now, we see Jesus crowned with glory and honor that he, by the grace of God, now, we beheld his glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, the, the glory in Jesus, which you ought to see in him, that's the, the first glory, there's there are levels of glory. We know that there are levels of glory. We're talking about the, the first 
point of glory in Jesus, which you ought to see is the glory of his grace. Amen. Is the word the glory of what? The glory of his grace. Now, what is the glory of his grace? The glory of his grace is the glory that equips the soul for death. Mm. Right now, Jesus by himself, by the grace of God, tasted death for what? For everyone now. Now, in this sense, in this sense, he did not die for every man. There's a sense in which Jesus died for every man. Right? That is, Jesus died for the resurrection of your spirit. That can happen. <clears throat> but there's a sense that he didn't die for every man, but rather he tasted death for every man. Now, now there's a food that Jesus tasted for you. He ate his own. But your own, he only tasted it. He didn't eat it. If he was, this was talking about Jesus dying for you, that substitution, so he died so I don't have to die, they won't put it this way. They won't say he tasted death for you. They'll they say he died for you. Now, we know he died for us. But that's not the sense here. He is talking about something. He's talking about he as the captain. He's not, he is not talking about he did it. So we are not, no, no, it's, it's example. Tasting is example. Oh, yeah, I've tasted it too. It doesn't, I was about to say it doesn't kill, but it actually kills. It's for, it's for to kill you. <laughs> I've tasted it, it kills. It's good. Take it. You can die by this. I've tasted, I've tasted death for you. I've, I've tasted the dead. It works. Now, you can't trivialize that kind of, that what Jesus did, because why? Because see that death that he tasted, nobody has, everybody refused to taste it. When, and that's what Adam saw, and Adam ran away. You know that Adam was supposed to also taste death for every man. This kind of death. But when he looked at the fruit of death on the tree, hey, Shalimro Kikeliha. So it means that Adam refused to taste even one fruit of the tree of life. He never, he never got to the point of tasting. Do you know that the tree of life is the tree of death? You can always substitute life for death. If you say this is life in this region, it's death in the other region. So those are the same. So you can also say Jesus tasted life for everyone. It's also the same thing. Because it's death that produces life. So if you just call that tree of life, if you just call it tree of life, you won't really fully understand the tree. You must, you must, when you call it tree of death, that's the real name of that tree in terms of what that tree should do to a person. 
is the tree to kill. Everything that brings life must kill the life that is. That's the, the passageway. So it's very clear that salvation is a, is, a, is a passage of death. Nobody can be saved without dying. Right? Salvation is what? Is a passage of death. That is through the, it's through the channel of death that souls are saved. Is kill the life that is in you, that is, that is dead to God, and accept the death that God prescribes, which is life to him. That is what the Bible calls living in his sight. Living in his sight. Praise Jesus. So, when it comes to that death, the death that will save you, God didn't, Jesus didn't die it for you. He would have cheated you if he died it for you. It would have been a cheating. So Jesus, where's my own? He said, no, I died everything. Uh-uh. Are you the only one who will become the Logos? Aren't we all to share in the same thing? Aren't we all to pass into the, in the, through the same passage which you pass through? So instead, as a captain, he tasted it. So the death program you are supposed to come into um, is, is, has already been initiated. When you look in the spirit and they see where your death is kept in the spirit, they will, it is an official is a, is a program that has started that is unfinished. So and in such a way that you can never absorb yourself from it. It's like you go and buy something in the store, and you open it and taste it, and then go and return. You cannot return it. You check it. Look, this one. If you didn't like it, you shouldn't have tasted it. Why did you bite from it? So Jesus has beaten from, for you and has initiated you into the process. So no man can say, I don't really want this thing anymore. There's, something, there's a man called Jesus who has tasted death for every man. Go and finish what he tasted for you. That thing, that thing taste. Jesus was, he was actually equipped. He, was, he has the ability to do that, to taste death. That's the, one of the, the things an Adam can do. And Adam is somebody who has the power to do things that will pass upon all men. The same way Adam tasted sin for you. The death that is passed upon men. Are you getting what I'm saying? But did he finish it? If he if finished it, I will ask you, which one are you doing now? The one, all the death that you did, I don't know, but somewhere, maybe some death that you did somehow, through ignorance, yesterday, day before yesterday, and all that. It's very clear that Adam didn't finish everything. That by biting into it, by biting into it, by biting into it, what he beat into, your gen- generations on board, they can't absorb themselves from it. They say, no, somebody beat into it for you. So death has passed on, men, on, on all men, for all have sinned. 
all have sinned. So, if, so that's the power of an Adam. It, it registers in the spirit. When you say this is an, this is an Adam. Adam can do things that affect the entire race. These are, you ask me how and why, I, don't, I can't fully explain this thing to you. These are some of the difficult, most difficult things to teach in the Bible. To teach the, the, to teach the, 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 the legal mechanics of salvation. It's not very, they are very difficult to see. They're talking about, it's like going to sit down in the Fanaia class, not even a class, in the, in the court, or going to the Supreme Court of a nation where they judge. You know, you know the courts, that, the cases that go to Supreme Court, they are not small cases. They pass through all the courts in the land. They couldn't resolve the, the case. Then the Supreme Court will go through a list of cases every term. They will choose which ones. They will take the most difficult cases. Those are the ones that they, that they handle. So imagine you're going to sit down there where they deliberate. You might, when they arrive at judgment, you don't even know how they even got here. So you, what they, this is, this is the actual right judgment. How did you guys arrive at this? They considered all kinds of things. Because how their mind, the balance, interprets the law is different. That's how it is in the spirit. The kind of, where God had to go and fetch wisdom. That can, that can save a person like you. Whose imagination of the, of, the, of the thought of their heart is evil continually. Who has made pact with vanity. Who has made agreement with what? With the grave. With corruption. Whose breath is in his nostrils. Who serves the dust of the ground? Who has no appetite for anything spiritual? If it was that, you're all crying, God, we need you, God, we need you. It would have been easy. Where we, where we are, our, our, the place that we descended into, it's not just a matter of they held you captive and you want to run back to your father. It's a matter of you. Where they kept you is a, an enjoyment of captivity that you will fight anybody that wants to break you out of that place. They call him lawful captive. You are a, you are, it's not just, <laughs> do you understand what I'm saying? You have made covenant with your captors. You've signed blood covenant. I will never leave you. I love you. We will stay together forever and ever. I love the way, the, the vibe that your presence gives to me. The enjoyment of all the things that you've created around my soul. You constantly fill me with activity. Every time I wake up and I look at what you have created, oh, Satan, I love them. I love to live in this place. It excites my soul. There's always things to do. Look at the, the way you've made this great world. I can graduate from one level to another, to another, to another. You've given me dreams. You've given me hopes. All the things I can aspire to in this life. I love you. That's the soul of the man that God connived to save. He wasn't crying out for God. We were not crying. Were you crying out for God? Till now, are you crying out for God? 
When they remove all the activity, they check inside the heart. What is the sweet you are licking? The candy. You don't lick it when everybody is there. It's when they've gone away. Like Lord of the Rings. When you, the ring is inside his pocket. He doesn't know, you know that ring? Nobody ever brings that ring out when everybody's looking. When they've all gone. My precious. My precious. I see the way he carries it. Are you seeing that, my precious? That's how your soul is, the one that God wants to save. Now, what kind of legal operation does God have to do to, against the being that you are calling your precious? It must, have, it must be too smart. God must have done something that is too smart for Satan. That why you are calling what the devil has given your precious, God is at work trying to save you. There are things working towards you that one day they will to put a sword between that covenant and break it. It's not the way you think it, it plays out. That's not how it plays out. God doesn't come like Hey, I'm here. I'm God, I'm here. Satan, come okay, me, I'm here. God, say, oh, yeah, choose me now. If you choose me now, we'll go forever. If God ever dares do that, he's going to lose. Because you will never choose him. So God will not come in that kind of way. Do you know that ambush? You know, it's, if you are, if, maybe it's a naive, if God was naive, he will come that way. Choose me now. Deny everything, all the sweetness in the world, and choose me. And if you reject me, if you choose me today, we are going into my everlasting glory. If you reject me today, no more. God can never do that because you will end up not choosing him. But God has to find a method that while you are still involved with that, my precious, my precious, something else can be entering inside you. And when he's entering inside you, he's not asking you a question every day. Choose me, choose me. It's just, a, it's just a, it's an operation. It's just an operation. <laughs> it's a mystery of the New Testament. It's the ministration of glory. What is the ministration of glory? Is the bamboozling of a soul to make the soul enter salvation. <laughs> the way God does it is not that, ah, my precious, my precious. Then God will stand there. Don't look at it. Drop it. It's not precious. It's killing you. No. The way you're doing my precious. My precious world, my life, my family, my career, my work, my ambition, my dream. I love you. I love you. I love you. Something should be happening to you. One day you look at it. You are not so precious. You are not really that precious. Hmm. 
you are stinking somehow. You are not really. Are you seeing that? It's not the pressure of. You know that self-righteousness comes in that way. You feel like you want that bravado moment. The day when I decided to drop that evil and follow righteousness. We like that kind of thing. Ah! It was that message. When the pastor preached the message and he broke it down. We're all crying. I surrender. Altar call. That was the last time I ever had lost of the flesh. <laughs> Any altar call to kill lots of the flesh can never work. Because it's not by altar call. The soul is too... The complexity of the soul is... They're talking about love, love. They say this one is in love with the other one. You're trying to advise them out of it. You don't understand it. You don't know what you're talking about. You don't understand what love is. It's the New Testament. So the way that, so the way of salvation is, is, a, is another method entirely is to, salvation is a kind of, of, of the ministry of the New Testament, which is the ministry of salvation, is a, is a ministry where they, they begin to, they fire micromolecules into your system that can travel into the root of the fountain from where that love is flowing from. You don't even know something is happening. When you are drinking vitamin D or D, do you know where every single molecule of the vitamin is? You know what? When you take a drug or, or something, you don't know what is happening in your system. You're just doing what you're doing. Or you take an antivirus. When you took COVID vaccine, were you seeing how every single molecule is going to fight COVID? COVID! Yeah. <laughs> Draw the sword. <laughs> your time of ravaging the earth has ended. We're going to take over one soul after one body after the other. Beginning with this body, I declare your dime is over. Your reign has ended. <laughs> Did you see such a fight when you took vaccine? <laughs> no. You just put the shot. You didn't even know anything. You just went out. But can you tell what was going on inside of your body? If you can see what was happening. What was happening? It was at the, the tiniest level. That, that's just a type of the vi- how they deal with the virus. Of, of the love for corruptible things inside the soul. Now, what are those micromolecules that they fire into your heart? That why you don't know they are an operation that can kill what? The love of death. What is it? The things which you have heard. So, Salvation is not, ask, it's not a bravado action. Are you, are you ready to deny the world? No. It's the fear. That which we have heard, which we have seen, which we have. It's not every single point you hear they are making you tell you, make decision now. No, 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 no. In fact, the thing that they are trying, that they are telling you, that they are saying to you, might not even look like it has anything to do with that debt. That's your problem. <laughs> 
it might look like just a far away talk. Just a far away, you know, thing. Just talking about the, the world to come. So you know that every teaching of the New Testament is a teaching of the world to come. Do you know that's why you always have a problem if you try to interpret the New Testament according to this age. You always have a problem. You always find that it's not matching. Why is why are the revelations not aligning with my with this earth? It's simple. It's called New Testament. The New Testament is the testament of the new heaven and the new earth. So it is not a revelation of the present. Is a revelation of another world. If it's a teaching of what the world, so he has not put the world to come in what the word subjection of what, what to come of which we speak. Have you read? You read it here, verse five. For unto the angels has he not what put in subjection what the world to come whereof what we speak. But you know. Preachers and pastors have tried everything to make the New Testament relevant in the present world. But that is not the scripture. It's actually the teaching of a world to come. But there's something about the, 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 the teaching of that world to come. That if you are able to bring molecules, properties, entity, material, micromolecules of if another world into what the present. What is he able to do? It is able to, it, it comes with an energy. Let me tell you something. There is nothing in the present that can kill the fire of lust. There is no energy, there is no power there is nothing in the present that can do what? Kill what? The fire of lust. What about the fire of pride? All the things that kills the soul. There's nothing. Only anything in the present would just be an advice. Okay, can you please try and be good? Then after they want to show scripture, reason why you should be good. Number one, Adam was good. Number two, Abraham was good sometimes. <laughs> Number three. <laughs> Examples of good men in the Bible. End of message, altar call. That is not able to do what? Do you understand what I'm saying? What is the lost? Lost is a passion, right? It's a type of love, right? Lost is actually love. Lost means love for corruptible things. Right? When you love a corruptible thing, it's called lost. That's the meaning of lost. Love of corruptible things. Now, the only thing that can swallow up the love for corruptible things is love for things that are incorruptible. But now, guess what? You cannot find anything incorruptible in this world. So, they have to talk about things of another world and make you love them. So even though that world hasn't come, they can find the love of that world. Must something, does something need to appear physically before you for you to love it? 
Some of the things that you, you love the most are actually ideas. Yes, the moment it manifests physically in front of you, the, day, the expiry date of that love has been, been written. The latest car is only the latest car until you buy it and it's in your garage. <laughs> it just, there's just something about it. Once you enter it and you just start the brown, you drive it out back. All your neighbors have seen that you bought it. The moment, maybe, if there's still one neighbor who traveled who hasn't seen it yet, that love can still be there for some time. But the moment that last one comes and you, ah, you, ah, you bought this car, whoa! That is the end. That is the end. The next day when you drive it out, all the joy, all happens. You get what I'm saying? So a lot of times, to sustain love, a lot of times, the thing men, men are more in love with ideas than they are with physical things. So the more invisible something is, the more powerful it is. If you want to keep someone loving something for a long time, make it something that is not really attainable, really. Make it a dream. I forgot that. See that American dream. I, <laughs> praise God. Just make it into an idea, just something, paint a picture, but make sure that that thing is not really attainable. But, and then you will begin to see, man, it will begin to perpetuate, like the, like the vision of just being self-made and just, you know, just having everything. And the day when everything will just be calm, no more trouble. Are you seeing that idea? That idea, governments sell it. When politicians say, hey, vote for me, what are they selling? It's something, they, you, they, it's a love in you that they come and lie, they can do it. But no politician can bring that thing to the soul. Governments sell it. Nations sell it. A lot of nations are built upon that fa- foundation. I, I look at, have you read the, the U.S. Constitution before? And we hold this truth to be evident. That's the declaration of independence. We hold the truth to be evident that God, all men are created equal, endowed with their creator by certain inalienable right, among which as life, liberty. And then the last one, they added at the end, the pursuit of happiness. That one is the key. Life and liberty are just the platform, you know? Once there's life and then you are free, it's the platform. The real dream, American dream is what? The pursuit of happiness. Are you seeing that thing? That is the love of man. Anything that comes and attached to it is that promise of happiness. Men can fall in love. But in the same way that you can, if you can fall in love with ideas of the present, you can fall in love with ideas of the future. The reason for the ministry of the New Testament is to make you fall in love with ideas of the future. But you now realize that the substance of the future is the love of it. (laughs) Do you understand what I'm trying to say? That's why they can bring the, the world to come into the present. Even when it, it's still the world to come, but it can come in his soul. Because 
when the world to come sits in his soul as love, it has already come. I'm just, this message is just to teach. I just, uh, ah, it's a difficult work that I'm, I see the Lord wants to do in your heart, but if you can access the breakthrough of, of this, it's the, it's the mind of salvation. That's what the Lord wants to initiate in every soul. It's a mind, it's a, it's a, let this mind be, it's a kind of mind which ought to possess you. A soul that has too much of regard for vanity will, will hardly be saved. A soul that cannot fall in love with incorruptible things that don't have the promise of happiness or whatever you call it, of a reward of this present life, that soul will be difficult for that soul to do well in the journey of what? Of salvation. So the secret is in the things that you are hearing. Those things, he's saying that we must give them more and lest heed. Lest you let them sleep. They can sleep away. He must give them more earnest heed. You have to be such a kind of a person who, who, can, who can walk on the reality of the revelation of a world that is to come and be comfortable with it and not get tired of it. Keep looking and looking and looking and looking and looking. The world will not fully appear in one day. You have to be willing to be patient. Let them build the foundation of that world in your heart. You are still looking and they raise the walls of it. They raise the streets of it. How would they build that, that revelation chapter 21 and 22, all those things? Before, you don't be thinking too much of physical going there. Think about, you know, how they bring it is, is true thoughts. The things which you are hearing, which you must give the more earnest heed to. Don't measure yourself. By the corruptible things around you. Don't esteem yourself. Don't allow allow that the right answer to that question, what is man? Let it, the right question, the right answer, sorry, let it arrive in your heart. I want you to see your, begin to have an inward awareness of your being. Try and see yourself the way God sees you in the position that God sees you. God sees you as a, an entity higher than anything on this earth. You are supposed to be a being that has, it doesn't mean you won't use the, th- the, the things of the present. You will use them, but you use them as things under you. When Adam woke up, he was, I'm sure he was using things. He had use for things that were under him. But those were not the, his vocation. 
the Lord will open your eyes to. Amen. You see that thing of beholding his glory, right? That's the key. That's the key. When they say, well, you, you can't see, we don't yet see all things put under him, but we see Jesus. What is the meaning of that? There is a man who, who aligns with that order. So you don't need to see yourself. See him instead. Because his alignment is, is correct. Right? We beheld his glory. The world was made flesh, dwelt among us. We beheld his glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and then and truth. Are you getting me? That, that glory, which you have, I ask you, how do you then behold this Jesus? How do you see? That's the ministry of the New Testament. You see that ministration of glory? Right, which Second Corinthians chapter 3 spoke about. That's what it is to, to minister glory to you. That's, how you. that's how you behold his glory. As of the only begotten and full of what? Grace. Full of grace and truth. This is a, what I'm teaching you is very practical. But not practical in the way that you know the word practical. In other words, not go and, do, go and be doing some things. No. In fact... This is a season when I give you the license. Don't have that approach. When they say, when you hear do now, this season, don't be thinking of doing things now in this season. Your, do, your doing is giving heed to the things which you have heard. This is how you call on me. This is how you call me to come to dwell in my temple. This is how you call. This is how you call on me. This is how you call. You call with your heart. You call with your heart. You call with your heart. For it is the heart I see. It is the heart I see. It is the heart I look onto. It is the heart I see. It is your heart I look onto. It is your heart. It is your heart. It is your heart. For I say, guard your heart. Guard your heart. Guard your heart. And let your heart gaze in right directions. Let your heart begin to call to me. Call to me. Call to me. Call to me. For I 
say those that call upon the name of the Lord, they shall be saved. It is the heart that call. And they call by believing. They call by hearing. They call by hearing. You have to hear me. For as I heard my father and I did his works, you have to hear me that you may do my works. For my works have gone before me, but you have to hear me that you may do my works. And it is that season where I am giving years. I am giving years. I am opening eyes. I am growing out legs that have been lame to begin to walk the works of me. For you will hear me, you will see me, and you will walk my works. It is that time that I'm opening years. I am opening years. I am opening years. I have come to open years. Even at the knowledge of Jesus Christ, my grace, my grace is being multiplied to you. My grace is being multiplied to you. For I say, I say, align your heart. Align your heart to call to me. To call to me. To call to me by seeking for me. By seeking to hear me. By seeking to hear me. For I am speaking. I am speaking. I have come to speak. I have come to speak. That as I heard my father and my judgment was just and true. Because I sought not my things. But I sought the things of my father. I am saying aligned that you may call to me for I called to my father and he gave me a name he gave me a name he made me beautiful he made me beautiful I have come to make you beautiful I have given years I have given yet to hear my call I am called that you may call to me that I will come and abide in my temple amen thank you father glory to God Um, if I want to summarize something um, that will be good to take away is, is also an, is another asp- is a very key aspect, but it's another aspect of the word, of the Bible, the New Testament concept of hearing as work. Do you understand? Um, you, the concept of hearing as work is a major aspect. There will be a time when one of the major work you are doing is hearing. In the, in the season of salvation, in the, in, in the season of everlasting life, right, the actual works of everlasting life, they are not really visible like that. Right? So when you see somebody who is working in the season of salvation, it's not the same as maybe works maybe in the, in the season of Christ in a certain way because the works of Christ are more manifest in a way. Right? But doing, hearing, or what you call eating. Right. Say eating. Mm-hmm. So, when you hear this work, you know, there's a concept we've had before that everything you must hear, like you must, in order for you to profit from it, you have to go and do it. But what we call doing it is counsel must come, instruction now, do this now. Say, I did it now, I've become it. <laughs> That's one level. That's, you know, they start with elementary, and then you have the primary, 
you have the secondary, there are different levels of understanding. You now discover that the, the, the highest angels in heaven, what do they do? What's their, what is their job? That's their description. Are you with angels who excel in strength? With all their strength, what are they doing with all their strength? You think they do and undo, they bulldoze, hacking in onto. Do you know the strength it takes to hack in? Is it, that the greatest job of a creature is to hack in at that level. There's no other work that can be done as high as that. Right? That hackening is serious. You understand that? Like when, like when you eat, you eat food. Right? Is it every food that you eat that you used to carry weight and there's a place for exercise, but there's a little aspect of the food that goes to physical labor. Do you know the many things that your food is doing inside your body? That we cannot see. A little part might go with so you running and doing exercise that we can, ah, he ate so he can do exercise, but there's a lot about the food that is, it, it's, there are works that happen inside the body that you cannot see. Can you see how your, your temperature regulation, you can, you can feel temperature regulation. How about the management of your organs? All these inward systems that are operating inside your body that you can never see, that, that the food you eat is contributing to. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? So there's a lot of the debt that need to be dealt with inside of you might not involve you doing something that we can see physically. You are in a season where you can be sitting down and listening to the word and death is being taken care of. That might not involve you going to do something physically that might be mentioned by hearing death. That's what happened in the season of everlasting life. Death can be swallowed up in victory through hearing. There are things you will hear, light will break, understanding will break, that by hearing that, shift will happen on your inside, agreement will be made against it, and things will be. There are things that will leave you that will never come back again by virtue of what you heard. Hearing is powerful. It's powerful. This is the season that they want to bring over us. When as this season is landing, conversation will change. Some of the things that we that. What you talk about you knowing our brethren life, all the things that we see. You, you need to get to a point where have you have you ever got to a, maybe in the way university was before sometimes when you have people who are maybe PhD students or a particular professor or something, they have their rooms. You can have a room, maybe there are four PhD students there in a small room. They have their desk, they have their table and everything. They do their, their research and they come. Sometimes when you get there, what they discuss in that kind of place. You, you yourself, you can't even, you can't break into their conversation because they are inside a world of their profession. That is how it ought to be. Through this season, they should change your conversation. You know what should be in your mouth? What should be in your mouth? Doctrine. It's doctrine. Not because you are excited to share. It's, in, it's, a, it's a fellowship in the profession. If you are fellows, we are fellows of a profession. It will show, if you are fellows of a profession, and every time you meet, you are always talking about something else. We don't really trust that thing. There's something wrong with you guys. 
If you go into a, a room of masters of PhD students, and every time you get there, all they're talking about is football. That from money to night, every day is football. <laughs> football. There's something wrong. Somebody ain't doing PhD there. Something is wrong. Maybe they just wrote PhD on the door, but inside us, they are playing fantasy football league on their computer or something. But, but if they are each, if, if, each, if each of them are chipping away at their research, they are working on the same problem. They are dealing with the same thing. After some time, after maybe from in, in between their sandwich, one can throw a question. Okay, what about this area that we're talking about? Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. It's not just idle talk or wanting to shine with revelation. It's, it's a spillover of language from dealing with a problem. That's the season. What you found in your mind is doctrine. You, this doctrine, you will hear it. Maybe if it's too chunky, you can't understand, you will discuss it. it will, the Spirit of God will move. It will break it down. They want to fire in salvation into you in micro-molecules. From understanding to understanding, doctrine to doctrine, you will see. There to be. Before you know it, you will change. This time next year, two years from now. Things will just fall off you. You wouldn't know how. Hearing. You're about to hear things that are Things with a voltage level that has the power to destroy all kinds of ancient installations of Satan and of darkness. You must give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest we let them sleep. Amen. Just begin to pray. Just pray for my heart and soul. Zevana kai ekre mahora panzo suteno. Ster lefrino. Safrande libron ta ele prando li gevronoste. Orakimion davri inso. Lamarai, Laramai, Loramai, Laranon, Lavrendio, Stevrai Galon, Magureneheta, Satale Mareheta, Soprana Rabasta Prahavara Masi, Lavrenehena Kaita Karamasi, Minsutuli, Alpa, Makuku, Eka Maheher. Rasebara Ramasu Tunenda La Pari Arabazu Prete Kaprabamama Ukrika Aramositi Girimasuti Kai Gelemenshandula Prahata Masalahika Maha Lentu Messi Thank you Jesus Likamanadata Karabazuti Pristur Buhuta Lambrihi Tamauta Ikahusa Glory and the Heratamus, let created Gerando Atabemahas, 
Shantai Amtrai Gula Pretai Kwen Nuleha Lamadaha Nademehaha Emenehaha Zurigaha Larigonda Lamidesti Repando Lamitaho 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 Thank you Father Thank you Jesus Thank you We give you glory God Oh yes Yes, 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 yes. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you. Thank you. Oh, thank you, thank you. Thank you. Paramoshiha. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Father, this is mercy. You are having mercy on us. This is mercy. Lord, you are, you are defining as you said to Mary, that one thing that is needful, just to sit at your feet. Said to Martha, you're encumbered with so many things, but there's one thing, one thing is needful, one thing, to sit at your feet and to hear you, just to keep hearing you and hearing you and hearing you and hearing you, to trust and to believe in the program, the awesomeness and the power of the program of hearing of your words. He said that she has chosen that part which cannot be taken. Help us to choose that path. Help every heart, every soul, every being under the sound of my voice listening to this. Help the grace to choose the, the part of listening and hearing and giving heed, giving heed said unto Timothy, give heed unto thyself, take heed unto thyself, and unto the doctrine, unto the doctrine, unto the doctrine. Help us to take heed unto the doctrine. Take, take heed, take heed every heart, help every heart to hide under the doctrine, to stay under the doctrine, to hear, to give heed, to give heed, to hear, to hear, to keep hearing, to never get tired of hearing, to continue to hear, and to hear, and here on the hearing will, will multiply. Hearing will be abundant. Hearing will. Thank you, Father, for we will have breakthrough. Even to great seasons of salvation. As we tune our hearts even into your speaking. Thank you. Reculture us again. Shift the culture. Change the culture. Change the season, oh God. Make us to be hearers. Not to be forgetful here, but also doers of the work. To be doers of the work. Even all man, all as the, you will have the work to be done within our inside. Help us, reveal it to us. Thank you, our Father. We give you all the glory tonight. Bless your holy name. Worship you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You dwells between the cherubim. Shine for you dwell between the cherubim shine for